Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. So in February, when the Russians invaded Ukraine, there was a lot of thinking that it would last 72 hours. That within three days, Putin's troops would be in Kiev. Well, six months in the uh, Ukrainians, as you know, are fighting tremendously well and in some cases are pushing the Russians back and uh, where this is going to wind up, a lot of people are saying it's going to be a stalemate war that will drag on. But the Ukrainians believe that they have a very good opportunity to uh, force Putin back and uh, if you look at the losses they're experiencing, there are reports today almost 50,000 Russian troops killed. Um, That's a much higher number than they lost in Afghanistan in the 80s. Over 2,000 tanks destroyed, over 200 military aircraft destroyed. This is Russian. So eventually the pressure, I think, is going to build on, uh, on Putin if it isn't already. But what exactly is going on? In Ukraine, and back with us on the program to speak about this is uh, Ambassador Alexander Sherba. He's the former Ukraine ambassador to Austria. He's the author of Ukraine versus Darkness, Undiplomatic Thoughts. Ambassador, good to have you back with us. Thank you for having me. So the sixth month of war, Ambassador Sherba, again, experts said three days and the Russians will be in Kiev. So how is the Ukrainian military holding up? And we do hear about significant counterattacks by Ukrainian forces against the Russians. Well, uh, a lot in this war is about the spirit. Uh, and the spirit of our army, of our soldiers, is just amazing. In the beginning uh, of, uh, of the war in February, in the beginning of the active phase of the war in February, uh, it was all about, you know, uh, our, you know, soldiers uh, fighting smart and fighting with uh, absolute understanding uh, that uh, uh, these plans of Moscow must be thwarted. Uh, because otherwise uh, there would be no Ukraine, no Ukrainian identity, no Ukrainian language. But with the flow of time, uh, this spirit of our troops and this knowledge what we fight for, this is something that Russians have none uh, of, uh, because they, they mostly they are confused why they are on the foreign land for some reason defending Russia. Uh, but with the time, uh, we also had uh, more uh, weapons from the West. And this uh, gave us uh, the possibility not only to stop uh, the, this enormous, huge army, uh, but also uh, to start pushing back, which is happening right now, uh, first of all, in Kherson uh, Oblast. Uh, it will be a long uh, fight still because... Uh, Blitzkrieg is not uh, the tactic of Ukrainian army, but uh, it feels like uh, we have the, the initiative right now uh, in this war. We have the we are in the driver's, driver's seat, and this is good news for us. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's going to be very difficult for Putin if, in fact, almost 50,000 Russian troops have been killed, which, again, is a much higher number than the Soviets lost in Afghanistan in the 1980s. And he's losing a great deal of equipment. Eventually, the Russian people, and I understand there is a there is a resistance to Putin, even though it can be it can result in significant prison time if you do resist publicly. But ultimately, I think uh, the Russian uh, Russian population will hopefully see what they have in this guy. Do you have any sense that there's going to be sufficient pushback in the Russian population against Putin? Well, it's a very good and a very difficult question because uh, Putin was uh, preparing his population for this war uh, for a decade, maybe longer. Uh, He had much more time than, for instance, Hitler had for preparing Germans for World War II, um, and uh, he was feeding Russian nation uh, two things, uh, militarism and imperialism. And if people are fed this, uh, war becomes uh, uh, normality for them, you know, uh, normal reality. Um, so uh, they... Uh, they uh, are glad. Still, a uh, big part of Russians are enjoying this war. They are enjoying the suffering of Ukrainians. They see uh, this war as a kind of, you know, uh, Russia being back, Russia being feared, uh, Russia being respected throughout the world. But uh, we see that uh, if the number uh, of uh, Russians who were enthusiastic about this war uh, uh, in May was uh, 80%, now it's less than 50%. So things are not moving in the direction Putin would be wishing for. And first of all, um, even those feeling positive about this war, Russians, they uh, are not uh, ready to go and fight. Uh, mostly, if uh, anybody volunteers for this war, it's either uh, people who want to uh, make some money, or um, it's uh, people above uh, 50 years old uh, who are somehow feeling uh, nostalgic about the uh, Soviet times, and they are not the best soldiers. No, they're not. And certainly there is some nostalgia for the Soviet Union with the passing of Mikhail Gorbachev, although he was essentially the architect of the dissolution of the USSR. Ambassador, uh, are you concerned, and you and I have talked about this before, but the developments continue and the time moves on. Do you worry about Western nations' commitment to Ukraine and particularly the maintaining of sanctions against Russia? You know, now we have Nord Stream 1, the pipeline, remaining shut beyond the so-called three days of maintenance that was scheduled. No Russian gas flowing through the pipeline to Germany. Do you believe, Russia, that it's an oil leak which is causing the continued closing of the pipeline? Uh, or do you think that they're manipulating and using energy as a, as a weapon against uh, against Europe? And do you, again, let me bring this full circle, do you have concerns about the uh, determination and the commitment of Western nations to the sanctions against Russia? About the uh, pipelines, Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 2, about the dependence on Russian gas. Uh, this, uh, right now, uh, 
changing this course, uh, it would uh, take changing the government, uh, because this government in Germany and in Austria, uh, the countries that weren't the most principled, unfortunately, and toughest on, tra- on Russia in the last uh, decade, they made their commitment. They won't uh, uh, back off on that commitment. And quite frankly, when I look in, at the Germany, the um, uh, opposition party, even if this uh, government, the, the government of Olaf Scholz, would be somehow, you know, toppled, um, the opposition is even tougher on Russia. So uh, I'm not that concerned about Germany. Of course, if things go uh, very much uh, um, off rail, so to say, then um, something can happen. For instance, if uh, Germans uh, take to the streets and uh, demand uh, that uh, Ukraine is thrown under the bus and uh, Germany first and uh, things like that, then probably something would be happening, something some change, of course, would be in order. But I don't see this happening, quite frankly. Too much of a shock this war was. Too much of a, of compassion I see in Western Europe among uh, average people. So uh, at a certain point, they probably would get, uh, grow wary of this war. But this point won't happen during this winter. I think... The worst case scenario, it would be at some point next year. Okay, so there is concern about the price of energy, the increase in cost of energy in Germany. We had a guest from Germany on the program three weeks ago who told us that it's already eight times as expensive as it was for her just over a year ago. But but I understand what you're saying, and I, I, I believe you're absolutely correct that uh, if there's going to be a faltering as far as support for the sanctions are concerned, it may happen uh, after the winter. So, Ambassador Sherba, in diplomatic speak, when you have the former president of Russia, Medvedev, uh, hinting again about the potential use of nuclear weapons, what do you hear? Well, first of all, I hear um, former president who was always distrusted by uh, Russian special services, by Russian army, by Russian military, who was seen as soft and too liberal, and who wants to score with this crowd now, because obviously it's, these are new times uh, in, uh, in, in, in Russia, and um, these will be the people who will be in charge even more uh, than it used to be before. So this is the first thing I hear. And second thing is, uh, quite frankly, it's it's more uh, noise than the uh, than the essence because um, there was the um, there was a moment of truth uh, with regards to these you know loud uh, uh, big announcements by Medvedev uh, threats, and uh, this moment was uh, on August 9th. Uh, when um, a big, second biggest uh, Russian uh, air base in Crimea uh, uh, burned uh, to the ground. Uh, Ukraine never um, claimed this, but uh, many people thought that uh, clearly uh, it had to do 
uh, with uh, Ukraine uh, trying to show that nothing is off limits right now at this at, the, at this conflict. Uh, two or three weeks before that, uh, Medvedev said that if anything happens to Crimea, any kind of you know. <clears throat> Uh, military attack. It would be the judgment day. I quote. I'm quoting him. The judgment day, and nothing happened. Uh, the whole, you know, all, all the propagandists in Russia were demanding, you know, strike, immediate strike uh, on Kiev downtown to kill Zelensky and his government. It didn't happen. Uh, let alone, uh, I don't know, the judgment day. So um, it's just uh, a person who is not that important, is trying to sound important and become important. But I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't uh, read too much into it. Okay. So after six months, what is a typical day like, if there is a typical day? What is a typical day like for Ukrainian people now, particularly those within the range of Russian artillery? What's the day like? Well, it depends where you live. Uh, right now, uh, I'm uh, in Western Ukraine. Uh, I'm visiting. Uh, I'm meeting with my wife, who I didn't see for three months. Uh, she lives in Austria. I live in Kiev. We meet in the middle uh, in Lviv, in Western Ukraine. And life in Lviv, in Western Ukraine, is rather peaceful. You know, you, from time to time there are these air raids, but for the most part, they don't materialize in any strikes. Um, in Kiev, uh, it's, it's a little bit more tense. In Ukrainian uh, capital, it's a little bit more tense, of course. And you feel already, you know, the presence of uh, soldiers on the streets. Uh, people are trying to um, tend to their daily lives, to to go to work uh, and to, to um, you know, do their groceries. Uh, there are men and women on the streets because uh, many women uh, immigrated and men uh, are not allowed to of certain age. Because uh, there should, there can be a possibility that they would be drafted into army. So it's a surreal time, but not as surreal as it was in March or April, when, for instance, a city like Kiev was uh, was basically empty. But of course, the hardest, the hardest uh, is the life of people uh, close to the uh, front line in Kharkiv, in Mykolaiv. Uh, People who get shelled every day, and every day there are there are um, casualties there uh, among civilians. And nevertheless, people somehow manage to to live there. And to, to I have a friend of mine who has a pizza delivery in uh, Kharkiv. They are still delivering pizza. Um, so it just it just people people get used uh, to everything, even to to this Yeah, the human spirit. Uh, I have a minute left here, Ambassador. Ukraine's grain shipments to a hungry world are taking place. Uh, do you have any concerns that Putin may again block these shipments using the Russian navy? You mean the grain shipments? Yes. Do you have any concern that uh, that Putin will try to block them again? Putin, you, you can you cannot exclude anything, any craziness uh, when you're talking about Putin. 
but um, since how how many so so since uh, early August these you know shipments are going on rather smoothly. I understand that uh, Putin has uh, something of it too because uh, uh, he sells grain and uh, it's not sanctioned uh, in any way. Yeah. So he's um, making so he's making money. I, I, I'm not very concerned. No. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.